Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and I am back this week with a brand new episode. And I thought I'd take the time this week to focus on something that none of us can actually do at the moment, or um, if you're in a bigger country other than the United Kingdom and have the ability to do so, travel. One of my favorite things to talk about, uh, one of my favorite things to reminisce about and think of all the things that are possible in the future as well destinations we all love the idea the holiday the getaway or even for those lucky enough the constant sort of trans transferring no traversing that was the word i was looking for traversing of the earth and it's you know, I'm doing this on the fly a little bit. I really want to dive in into tra- traveling. I've talked about it in a previous podcast, one of the first podcasts I did, uh, episode two with Johnny Edwards. Uh, and we, we, we delved into like some of our previous experiences. But what I want to talk about in this is an overview, like a generalization, something that's available for everybody to talk about. And I want to put in some of my own experiences to maybe give some advice, but also to sort of broaden people's minds a little bit and ha- on the possibilities not to sound self-righteous and sort of lecturing already we're already in you know, what we like five seconds into the <laughs> podcast but anyway um my point being is that something that has been lacking at the moment uh because of the pandemic is the ability to visit other places and to sort of meet new people and obviously that's not the top priority at the moment, it's people's health. However, I would like to say that, you know, getting away from your home is a blessing because it allows you to sort of remind yourself what's important and also give yourself a break, you know? Everything comes with the ups and downs of life at the moment. And it does feel like a bit of a, you know, a wave in the sense that we're we're coming in with the tide, we're going out with the tide and we're getting some really good news. And then all of a sudden we got another third wave and so on and so forth. But traveling, I feel to me, is always been positive and always been something that I look back on and look forward to whenever I'm, and, and not that I would want to travel full time because I've seen from YouTube channels and from other people who've traveled and do that. It is a job in itself. It is extremely difficult to get right and also you have to be someone who is fully committed to that lifestyle it's a very lifestyle of I would say in the moment but also a lot of planning and the ability to make sort of last minute decisions with that with the added stress um, I do like a mix and match I'm not somebody who can can say that he is you know I, I do like structure, but I also love to be able to have change. And at the moment, that's what we're missing. We're missing a little bit of change uh, using the royal we there as well. This is including anyone who's listening or watching in the sense that I imagine you feel that the world's gotten a lot smaller recently. And if you're like me, you found it rather difficult and that in, in the sense of your mentality I'm a very positive person, as you may have noticed for so far, and I will continue to be a positive person. But one of the, the ways for me to basically refresh, reconnect, meet new people, come back with a fresh mindset and a fresh attitude to my work, to my friends, to my family, and come back feeling like the person they know and love rather than the guy who after consecutive amounts of work um, is starting to get a little bit more stressed, a little, little bit more, you know, shoulders up. I've talked about this, you know, the pent up aggression, the sort of, as soon as you go away, you sort of allow new people into your life and you allow new opportunities when you travel and you, you're not so structured. You do what, you know, open yourself up to new possibilities and also just a little bit of fun, you know, that's it. That's what we're looking for. And maybe some people were lucky enough to go on holiday during, I think it was like August, September of last year. I wasn't willing to take that risk uh, purely for family, purely because I worry about other people's health. And and, and uh, that's just a personal preference rather than anything out there. Um, and I think in my mind, 
that's the first thing I'm going to do. As soon as the government like open up the airwaves and we know it's safe to travel, uh, I'm, I'm going to be out there. I've got like a list of places, but we'll get into that later on. It's not, you guys don't want to just hear the list of things that I, <laughs> I'm going to do. What I'm going to first dive into is actually a little bit of my past and a little bit of how I got into traveling because I think it's kind of key because it sounds like quite a privileged thing, doesn't it? Like, you know, first world problem sort of thing. Oh, we can't travel, Chris. <laughs> There's uh, people dying. Very true. It's very true. So I'm going to adjust it a little bit. I've not always been lucky enough to be able to travel. Actually, um, the majority of the foreign travel that I've done has been paid by, I say majority, all, nearly all of the foreign travel I've done has been paid by me and has been, basically, I've had to earn and scrape it together through any sort of work that I've done. And the first piece of travel I did when I was 19 on my own was paid for by working at a crappy part-time role uh, at a uh, car company. Well, I say car, I'm not gonna mention their name. And then also working part-time at a bar at the same time when I was 19. And, you know, that's tough work and you're getting minimum wage and you're just, you know, scraping together the possibility of, you know, uh, a way to get abroad and, and a way to, to, to get out of uh, the hustle and bustle of life. So just giving you a sort of background, I wasn't always lucky enough. Like I said, I didn't properly, I didn't leave Europe until I was 19. Um, again, now that I'm looking back at 25, 19 is quite young still. There's people out there I know who haven't even left Europe um, and they are 25 or older. So there is that. And I am putting this out as a preface as this is, this is obviously not going to sort of affect everyone but I'm going to carry on I was uh, the kid from the age of three to 16 that basically we do the same holiday every year um, my dad and me and my sister from age 10 to 16 did this holiday my mum was not nice enough to to do camping basically with us from the age of three to 10 she, she just basically said never again after that never again never never uh, <laughs> anywhere that doesn't provide electricity <laughs> and um, it's it was a life change I think I was it's one of those privileged things that you either love it or hate it camping. I, I love it to this day. It introduced me to other kids my age. I'd go nuts the entire summer. We'd be out there. It felt like a lifetime when we'd go. We'd go to this place in Dorset called, which is only down the road now, which is kind of crazy, in Blandford Forum uh, called the Inside Park. Shout out to the Inside Park. It was... Uh, this place you know going back as an adult it's just literally um a, you know a field with camp camp site a campsite with sort of loads of tents and stuff like that and then you've got like a park for all the kids and you've got some a couple of goals up there for playing football on and you've got like an endless forest with loads and loads of trails and it was this it felt to me like the safest place on earth it felt like a, uh, a refuge away. I'm telling you guys this because it provides a, a backstory to my life. I was I felt that this wasn't actually the inspiration for me to travel abroad. I think if I'd carried on doing this all the way until onwards, I probably wouldn't have left the UK for a very, very long time because it built up this idealistic view of, ah, oh, this is my sort of safe safe place to go to because I remember when I when I got into my teen years it felt like a, a breath fresh air away from uh from, from Reading and from where I was from and you know I didn't have that experience of going you know my world was quite small you know as a kid it feels massive doesn't it, it feels where you're from you feel so like oh I can go down the road and play football with random you know kids your own age and you can go skateboarding and, and go out the park and skateboard and, and ride a bike and all of these things and your world feels massive but as you get older as you slowly progress through the years you start to realize like oh man there's a bigger world out there that I've never even seen and there was two things that basically took me from a kid who basically only ever holidayed and I think I went to Spain when I was seven and then Spain again when I was 11 for a school trip and then France with the family when I was, I think, 12 or 13, maybe 14 at push. 
So those are like my <laughs> my foreign experiences. Not sound ungrateful because they were fun, definitely fun. Uh, but as you can hear, that you know I wasn't exactly exposed on a regular basis to regular foreign travel, and I think that's a good thing. I think uh, that actually made me have a little bit of respect and 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 lust to be able to go to other places. And there were a couple of things that I definitely remember being that switched my mind and it wasn't until I was around 17 18 that these um, sort of ideas clicked in and the idea that oh damn I need to do more of this I need to go new places so it wasn't until I I was 17 that I had actually gone to Scotland I'd gone to Wales before when I was younger uh, and I love Wales I love Pembrokeshire area it's beautiful and the forests and the hills and the ocean and yeah uh, absolute beautiful place and I was considering going to university at Aberystwyth I remember just because of how how much I was like sort of had a sort of idealistic view of uh, of Wales at that at that time and the story goes on I know I'm so this is quite a long prequel era here <laughs> my point being I got to 17 I'd been to Spain France and Scotland and Wales and it was in Scotland that I'd gone to Fort William and my dad took me to the Isle of Skye. It was a son and father bonding experience. You know, I'd never holiday on my own with my dad. It had been always with either my mum or sister there or someone else or one of a friend. And so it was, it was this really sort of inspiring trip that for the first time ever, me and my dad, like we went up north. We, you know, it was something like a 12 hour journey there. We drove from Reading all the way up into Fort William and then into Skye. Uh, and we were staying in this beautiful campsite under the mountain of Ben Nevis. Now, when we first visited, we visited in, in over a weekend and it was beautiful. The green mountains covered in a mist and blue skies that were endless. And I remember seeing them for the first time and being awestruck how magnificent the nature could be just in its raw form and Scotland is just so underrated in the sort of far north it's just absolutely I remember the 17 year old to you know this was oh god you know eight years ago and it blew my mind it blew my mind how I remember standing on this hilltop we thought it was the Three Sisters at the time, the Three Sisters Mountains, where we were standing. It wasn't, but it was a very similar area in, in the Isle of Skye. And we could, myself and my dad, could we climbed to the top of this hill slash mountain area. And we saw into the this valley that led into the Atlantic Ocean, mountains on either side, and a valley that was just felt like it was going on forever. And I remember being in that moment and thinking this this is life, this is an adventure, this is, I have to have more, I have to, you know, I, I remember being in the moment and feeling like for the first time in a, quite a while, because all I'd known at that point was very select areas, Reading, Dorset, maybe, you know, these these small areas in France and, and Spain, I wouldn't even be able to point on a map probably where I was in France at the time. And I remember feeling the world slightly getting bigger. And you know, when you're a teenager, you, you're, you have a lot of things going on in your mind. And for me, I'm like, I was like anyone else. I was just all over the place. My mind was, what do I do with my future? I'm not getting the grades that I want at the moment. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. What do I do? And it was the best distraction that I needed and also something that would lead on to I think uh, a much a, a massive change in my life and what I'm trying to say here for for those out there is that if you haven't had this click this lifestyle change I think it's still out there for you I think one thing that makes me laugh is when somebody who hasn't ventured out of their home country, they're in their 20s and they're, they're still saying that, you know, I've heard this from people who are from the UK, like the UK is the best country in the world. And it makes me laugh because it's just like, it's kind of naive, it's kind of arrogant, and it's kind of not true at all. 
Um, there's plenty of places that are better than the UK. I can tell you, I could start listing them off now, but I'm gonna, uh, before I insult any more people from the UK and lose my passport. Um, <laughs> so I think what I'm trying to get at here is that I, th- I think out there, it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. My dad, I, me- I remember he filled up the entire tank of, our, of the car and we were driving this Vauxhall um, four-seater car that his company had provided him. And it cost like, I think it was a good £120 on petrol alone to get there. So obviously compare that to, you know, going abroad, that's nothing compared to, to, to some, of the, some of the flights that you can get out nowadays. You can do a budget holiday, anything like that. Um, it's just finding that that moment. And, and I'm going to dive in a little bit further with one of my experiences was actually going on another father and son adventure a year later. When I turned 18, my dad said, right, lad, I'm going to treat you. This is the treat for turning 18. And we were going to do three weeks in France. And that was just another you know, I said I went to France earlier. We're talking about like a, a sh- not a sh- like a house in the middle of nowhere where it had a swimming pool. And then my mum, my aunt and my dad, they just wanted to sit by the pool the entire time. And me being a, a kid of extreme adventure, this, you know, it was a very boring holiday. The one we were about to go on, myself and my dad, was planned to be pure adventure. It was just explore some of the French, some of the parts of France that we'd never seen before. I mean, I'd never been to Paris. I'd never seen Paris before. It's just, <laughs> and I loved every second of it. And I think what I'm trying to get across is this passion, this love for going to new places and and trying to do new cultures, uh, do new cultures, try and experience new cultures. One of the things that I really tried hard at, and my dad was so much better than me, was speaking French. My dad's French at the time, not I don't know what it's like now, but it, he was basically able to converse with the locals and they'd understood him. And even though they knew he, full well he was English, they didn't they tolerated it which from some experiences i have heard from people that's that's pretty good for you know from french french people so <laughs> it can go one way or another really uh and i i try my best as well you know asking for food i like you know i just remember you know using je voudrais and trying to n- not offend people and using salut and au revoir and using the common things you know at 18 I, I felt like I was I was a bit of a grown-up by asking for a meal I remember asking for chili con carne uh, at the with the waitress and she smiled <laughs> she I think she was quite pleased and this was in a rural area of France that uh, they clearly had tourists there on a regular basis so she, she was she was being very kind at the time and it was these little things where you you venture into new territory, you go into the unknown. And you st- I think that was the, the sort of match that ignited my curiosity, especially within to different cultures and the idea to, to basically broaden my mind of, of what reality truly is and what other people are dealing with. Um, when you travel, one thing that is quite common is that because you're, you know, for, for my, from me, white, middle-class, you know, male, all these privileged sort of positions, um, you're going to see the best in the world because you're put, putting the money out there. Um, as I've got older, I've actually tried to seek elsewhere. I haven't always gone for like the top dollar. I like to travel light. I like to go to places that are cheaper, like hostels. And I like to be able to sort of go to places that have a little bit of roughness to them to be able to actually experience what the locals are experiencing um that that's not always the case by the way that's not always the case i can't say that that, that that's probably like 10 percent of the time you know but it still has a massive impact on you nonetheless um and one thing that i'm trying to also emphasize with traveling is that you, don't, you come back a different person come back realizing like oh damn and I don't want to make this sound like I'm somebody who's anti-UK because this is where I'm from 
you don't really you, you know there could you could be born in a lot of places that aren't as nice and but you do start to realize that there's a lot of faults from where you're from and you start picking at them and that's a negative that does come with this so as you broaden your mind it's like um adam adam and eve in the garden of eden in the story they're like it's they're blind at first and then their eyes are opened uh and the idea that you know the scales fall off and, and they start to see the real world and when they see the real world they're shocked and they don't realize what they've you know what they've got to me when i started to realize i started really disliking where i was from i really wanted to just get out of here get out and you know that's not a good attitude because you are going to have to when you're younger you're going to have to basically put yourself in a lot of situations that are going to feel like crap because you're building who you are you're building a resume you're building a life resume and that's it's both you've got your cv your curriculum beta for, for your jobs and then you've got your life resume which is what you're gonna actually the second one is more important because it's the one the majority of people are gonna f- want to tell when they tell stories and when they do what i've just done where i build like a background of of, of what i've done so that you understand that well, i wasn't always this way i wasn't always open-minded uh i was naive i didn't really understand the world around me i had um, I was angry at the world. I remember when I was like 17, I know it's hard to picture me, you know, a smiley human being as, as someone who was angry. But when I first met, and you've you've seen Jordan on the podcast before, Jordan Green, I was, I was like this kid who was listening to like pop punk. I was angry at the world. And it's just that typical middle class thing where you go, you know, typical young lad who's just angry for no reason. And it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to. I think it's also because you don't know what to do. You're sort of lost. And for me, the solution, I know it's bad, but it's almost like I was running away from my problems. And I know it's crazy to say, but the traveling, as I traveled more, my life seemed to get better. I actually, um, as I'd built this money up for my first foreign sort of travel, um, I actually got my first job in the IT industry and that IT job gave me enough holiday to be able to take three weeks off, three or four weeks off. I remember, and I was going to go to Australia and New Zealand and I did. And that was, that was the first job I took to Australia and New Zealand. How crazy is that? I'm so, I was so lucky. I was so happy, but I knew for a fact I'd earned it because I spent two years at this part-time job while I was in sixth form and I remember spending another six months at a pub and, you know, grinding away as a dishwasher and then eventually, a, you know, a barman and stuff like that. And I remember doing all those and earning the money and then getting to my IT job and being like blown away by the fact that, you know, I was I was getting paid more money and I had holiday to use. I was like, wow, like finally I can I can take this this trip. And it was a trip of a lifetime because I was 19 at the time. And it's scary, you know, when you're talking about it with your friends and you're you're scared of the unknown, when it finally hits you that you're leaving and you get on that plane, you feel both a little bit of adrenaline run through you, but also the fact that, oh, damn, like there's no going back from here. I'm only going forward. And I think we all need that. It is a extremely scary thing to take to take that first step Uh, we all have different priorities in life but i think this one needs to be given to everyone i think this opportunity to be able to maximize your understanding of the world and not just your local neighborhood is going to give you that ability to be able to make judgment calls that are going to encompass more than just yourself and your local people it's a care for the world and the human race. And I've heard many people I respect say they're citizens of the world rather than just, you know, I'm from here. And I do like that because it does mean that you can converse with other people. I hate the fact that I can only speak English properly uh, and I can barely do that, as, as you may have noticed. My point being is that 
I'm trying my best to learn languages. I'm trying to do German and French at the moment and continue that. And as much as, as much as that's a thing I've started to do now, I should have done it younger. I wish I had, you know, it would have been a lot easier and it would have been a lot more useful as I've grown older. I, one thing that I do realize is that there's a lot of French and German people who travel as well. And they're amazing people to talk to as well. And they've had a lot of experience traveling. And it's great to see people from Europe travel elsewhere. And it's also great to see, you know, it's great to see Americans, Australians, New Zealanders, Can Canadians, like, but they all speak English. So it's just like, you're not, you know, there's not much of a barrier there. It's very easy to, to get across the message to, to people like that. But being able to converse, and here, here's the, the downside is that the majority of the Europeans speak better English than some of the people in England. <laughs> So it's it's kind of embarrassing on our part as a nation. That's why, you know, this is why I do criticize the UK a little bit because there's a little bit of ignorance coming in from, from, from us, uh, especially when it comes down to language barriers and showing people uh, a little bit of respect for the ability to converse in our language, not, but we're not the other way around. One thing that I, I try to do nowadays as well is it's really sort of push myself to not assume the person I'm speaking to speaks English. And I'm willing to embarrass myself. I've done it many a time when I've gone up to somebody and tried to start a conversation and it's happened the other way around and I felt extremely bad for people I met, for instance, in Vietnam when they were trying to have a conversation with me and I was on my way to, to doing something and they wanted to say, oh, we wanted to practice our English and I was there for five minutes and then I had to run off because I was... Um, I think I was going to a specifically I had a booking for a museum or something at the time I can't remember why but yeah I had to move on I felt really bad because that would have been a, a perfect opportunity to basically help these people and you know create this break down the barrier and, and provide people with an opportunity and it's vice versa isn't it you would you want to do the same with with languages elsewhere so Enough on a tangent of languages in, in, in Europe. I'm going to get back to the story a little bit. So we talked about Scotland and, and my cities, you know, standing on the top of that, that mountain and just viewing. This was, um, this was before Instagram was around at the time, but it wasn't like a big thing. I didn't get Instagram until 2016, 2016. And by that time... I'd already traveled to Australia, New Zealand, Scotland and France, like I said, in, and the Scotland and France were with my dad, so it doesn't really count. Uh, and then, yeah, also Australia, New Zealand and, and Italy, specifically Rome. So those three countries were done independently. And uh, obviously when, when you travel, this is the, it's become more popular. And as it's become more popular, it's been placed on, you know, as a way to, to brag. But I remember when I, I was I was discovering it, I was like, there was no way to to sort of share this with people. It was like you, you took photos and then those photos were for you. They weren't for anyone else. You know, <laughs> I never even thought in my lifetime I would be sharing these photos with anyone else. I remember I may have shared one photo on Facebook at some point in 2012 and immediately regretted it because uh, <laughs> at the time you don't realize um what's a good photo and what's not and so you're young and you're surrounded by young people as well and there's a level of, of, of a lack of appreciation from people at that age and I'm hoping that you know even even though it's a positive and a negative that social media does provide kids with this like wow that's real that's a place I can go there I can fly there and get there and I'm, I'm hoping that's you know the the generation that's part of mine and my generation and the generation below me um, have that opportunity to do so and to to born so France specifically when I went there with my dad the first place we went to we we'd stayed in like the center of France like really middle middle we'd driven through Paris and we'd got to the center and I can't remember the place but it was this beautiful field um, where all the chateaus of France were based so all of the the castles basically that were ruled by the kings and queens of uh, France uh, that were huge white marble places extraordinary 
um, structures that I remember at the time uh, seeing this spiral staircase in one of them that was just crazy. It had this optical illusion that when you looked up, that it looked like there was two, it was like a double helix staircase. Uh, and it was just, you know, I was, I was seeing new history, you know? There's a lot of stuff that you're taught when you're younger that the French are the enemy, basically, until World War II. And that's a very English thing to learn, you know, the Battle of Agincourt and, and stuff like that. And I remember seeing this stuff and being like, wow, this is crazy. The French have history as well. And it's, it's really cool. And you've seen an English castle. It doesn't look well maintained at all. You go to France, you go to one of these, you know, the, the great castles there. And it's like, whoa. And the weather at the time, it was, I think it was either July. So it was peak summer uh, and just boiling hot. And it was brilliant. And I, I just remember being super happy and it was it was a real eye opener, and it was once we'd gone from the, the middle of France, we'd seen the the chateaus and some of the the French culture there. We went out to the border border of Switzerland, basically, and we saw again mountains, a very different type. The Swiss Alps are just they're extraordinary in a different way to Scotland's mountains. It's very it's hard to it's almost like the French and Swiss mountains have a very beautiful sort of smooth and very instagrammable <laughs> vibe to them and then scotland's rugged and it's raw and it's got the earth and the natural feel to it feels like somebody in france basically you know jaggedly got got something and, and chipped them together <laughs> and it was i remember seeing that this this valley in france and, and being, again, having that wow, wow moment. What is this place? This is incredible. This is just a new world. And we were placed in this campsite that was directly below the mountains. In the middle of nowhere, there was literally just a town um, of wooden houses spread around uh the fields and there was obviously there was restaurants and stuff like that but this there was a village and there was mountains and then the road going in and out of the place that was it and it led in switzerland and it, you know it to me it was just like what there's civilizations out here how do they live because you're used to a, a town you know where you can walk to the next you know you can get a train to, into the city center or the town center and there was no way you could be able to, there's no transport, basically. There wasn't trains out there. There was just, you, if you had a car, you can get in and out. That's it. You ain't walking to the next town. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's, um, if I can find a photo, what I'll do is I'll put it as as the, the sort of thumbnail of this video because it's stunning. It's just something else altogether. And if I can find it, I'm, I'm sure I will be able to if I uh, go through the photo album, because after we'd done this, my dad made photo albums for me. So to remember them both and he him and my mom, very 90s thing to do was um, I say 90s, you know, pre, pre uh, sort of digital era. They they still do the, the photo books and the photo albums, which is is kind of cool because you can physically look through them and it does have that. You know, it's like a book, really. I don't, I don't like um, those tablet books, things that have loads of books. And I like a physical book. Um, again, sounds kind of pompous, but whatever. Point being was France and Scotland were the eye openers. They were like the first taste, but they weren't truly, you know, for me. They were me and my dad, so I wasn't on my own. I hadn't had that scary oh, how do I do this? I always had someone there to look after me. And I think this is really key here because when you do first travel on your own, it's such a just, I'm an adult. I can do stuff. I can be my own person. This is why the pandemic's difficult because we lack our freedoms. We lack the ability to travel and to do things that we want to do. We, we become what we used to be rather than what we are and once you've experienced your freedoms it's very hard 
to to put the you know the genie back in the lamp after you've started rubbing it it's uh it's exactly that and so my first travel experience for me was australia and i was visiting my best friend alex young who's uh who's been on the podcast before he'd moved out there when we were 18 and when i'd gone to france that was the last time i saw him uh for another year and a half uh and that felt like a lifetime you know a year and year and a half before you go see your friend and uh, at that age it does feel like an extremely long time now in the pandemic of having a year of it feels like nothing <laughs> and so i remember the first place i stayed so again this is quite important this wasn't truly solo because i was meeting someone out there and uh I, I stayed with ali for a week and i was in victor harbour beautiful beach um sorry sea town side of adelaide and it's it was about an hour and a half drive from adelaide to victor harbour and just a beautiful beautiful place again australians man they make the best impression i got there and i felt immediately at home uh and they were just everyone were welcoming everyone was just the kindest and i'll always remember that i'll always remember uh god makes me a little bit emotional man because it's, it's, it's kind of it's a part of my life that made me believe in people I remember coming back from that trip and even if I'd just spent a week there with with Ali and and his family and all of the amazing people I met there probably would have made the best impression they possibly could have been especially on the world especially on like you know someone who's 19 years old and questioning life and questioning people and not knowing what's going on and what's good and what's bad and you know you have your first job and you you know you work extremely hard to to do the best you can and it was an eye opener that there's a lot of good people out there. It's not, there's, and in this, you know what the crazy thing is, is that actually further down the line, I started to realize that the world is full of amazing people. And this is the truth. The world media make you think that there's a lot of negative things going on. They make you think that there's ne negative people, lots of bad things going on. That's not the truth. The individual is a good person and i believe that to my to my heart and so there is some people who ruin it for other people they're the minority they're not the majority those who break the rules um in times of need like we are now they're not the majority that's the thing we need people who are willing to break the rules when necessary when it's truly necessary but when we need to stay united we do not and I remember going to Australia and it was after I'd visited Ali that I would have my first solo experience. I'd, I was in Melbourne uh, for, I think it was a week and a bit. And I would go in Melbourne, I'd, I'd explore the city. I'd see the graffiti areas. And I remember being in love with Melbourne the moment I, I went there, going to you know the beach nearby and just getting on the tram and eating good food and enjoying the sun and the parks and just being truly in love with the place. I'd never been in love with the place before. I'd loved France. I loved Scotland, but this, this was, this was the first solo place. I remember listening to California Cation by Red Hot Chili Peppers and being like, yeah, man, this is me. This is mine. And uh, the saddest thing is that was back in 2015. It's now 2021. I haven't been back to Melbourne since. And breaks my heart, man. Breaks my breaks my heart because it's uh, it's an absolute beautiful place, and I really hope to return there soon. And I would love to have a house there, without any doubt, without any doubt in my mind. There's there's you know there's a lot of beautiful places I've seen in the world, but Melbourne is just such a absolutely beautiful city. And that's very, for me personally, like I went to Sydney for a day, so I can't say I explored Sydney that much. I went there for a day and went to Bondi and, you know, did surfing and, and stuff like that. But that doesn't really, you know, you can't say you've been to Sydney and you've been there for a day. It doesn't count. Uh, and I just think to myself, like, damn, there's so many good things I'm going to do. I'm going to revisit. I'm going to go to new places. I mean, I've only seen three cities in Australia. Um, haven't been to Canberra, haven't been to Perth, 
haven't been to the far, far north of uh, Australia as well. Um, I've forgotten that. The, the, the northern... It's going to kill me now. There's Newcastle, then there's... Oh, I can't remember. Damn, that's going to kill me. I'll point it up here on the screen and future Chris will be like, damn, man, you should remember that. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. New Zealand. Now let's talk about probably the most probably my favorite country on earth like i love australia but new zealand is something else like it's just it's a combination of natural beauty adventure and absolutely amazing people and downright just linking the lord of the rings to a real world place Uh, and i tell you what if you ever get the chance go there it's just an absolutely breathtaking place. And I think that New Zealand, I was only there for a couple of weeks overall. I think it was a total, like the holiday itself was four or five weeks, three to four weeks. I can't, no, it must have been three to, oh my God. Yeah, it must have been only there for a week. My God, in New Zealand again. Haven't been there since 2015. And because of the pandemic, I was meant to go back this year. And, you know, there was there was a lot of traveling I was meant to do in 2020, uh, which never came to pass because of uh, things that happened. And obviously 2021 is looking very similar and that they're not opening up until 2022. So it's probably going to be 2022 when I actually go back. So, yeah, seven years it will have been since I have been to New Zealand and that is kind of you know truly sad but at the same time it's going to make the adventure that much more and I'm trying to get across here to you guys I'm going to highlight some things maybe I'll split this podcast into two parts because I've realized how long I'm going on for and having someone lecture you on traveling and not having actually been there is probably the worst thing to hear ever Um, so I think what I'll do give some of the highlights of New Zealand and we'll talk about future you know traveling experiences that I have that are going to give you some more you know background some new places to go that you may want to go to but Australia you have to go to has it's like it's got to be one of those things that you say to people and you click with that person because they understand you they understand the joy that you've had there I'd happily get a passport from, uh, sorry, a, a, a visa to live in Australia and New Zealand, both of them, without even thinking about it. I think that the Commonwealth countries are, you know, ironically, I would say that the other countries of the Commonwealth are actually better than the UK, like all four of them, even though the UK has a better like economy sort of thing. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that the, the UK has benefits for, like schooling and, and the NHS and all of those things. Um I would say that the the other four nations have some other positives and negatives because obviously there's negatives and positives to, to every country. But New Zealand, I am, as you know, a massive Lord of the Rings fan. So when I got to New Zealand, I remember being the most excited I've ever been. As soon as I got there, they have the massive dwarf statue in the Auckland airport. And I just remember being the most, the happiest guy ever. So if you ever get to the North Island, right, a couple of things you've got to do. Number one, go to Pihar Beach. It is absolutely beautiful. It's Jurassic. It reminds me of one of the places on Earth where it's been undisturbed, basically. It's a surf town and it's got the best waves ever. Nearly died there. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, But, you know, the beach itself is just and they do some great food great food uh very very pleased with i remember being extremely happy with that and the other things that i would say i remember the waterfront and what i want to say watiki i think it's watiki island uh i'm pronouncing again terribly wrong but i i basically took a canoe from auckland harbour with uh, a tour guide and we we basically paddled you know paddled in a canoe across to a, to the island we we walked took the 
sort of canoes, put them on the beachfront. And then we walked all the way up to, as a group, to the top of the island and we watched the sun set on, uh, on Auckland. And I remember just having, again, one of my favorite experiences. And believe it or not, if you're still listening to this podcast, you'll realize that that sunset that you see as my background for, for the YouTube channel, that's the sunset of what I'm talking about right now of New Zealand that is Auckland that you're seeing there and I'm taking it from Watiki Island it is one of the most memorable memories I have in my life and I just remember being 19 and and feeling and the world was such a positive place and that I was going to do so much and it got better you know, you see that, like I said, I did the canoeing and I did surfing on Piha Beach and I canoed across the island. I watched the sun set. And from there, and here's, here's a thing that I remember from Auckland that I will never forget. It is the smoothie, the banana smoothie that I got at the harbour front where there's this amazing little smoothie place. So if you're over there, do do hit it. It's, it's got a green banner with with orange writing. And it's got some of the best smoothies. They were really good for you as well. And they taste amazing. And I remember the vanilla one, the banana one, the exotic tropical one. And they were, you know, relatively good pricing. And it was just one of those little things, those little perks that you you get when you're in uh, New Zealand that is just so much fun. And from there, I went from, I went and did, uh, I got this speedboat. And I got when and I recommend this to everyone because I had a smile on my face the entire time I was on it. And it would went around the harbor and it whizzed round. And we were in the, this massive boat and the waves crashing over at 90. And I was just absolutely in my element. I loved it. I loved being by the ocean. I loved being in the waves and getting soaked and being like basically I was on a roller coaster ride for a good 10 minutes in this speedboat. Uh, it was red and it was just. And if you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, I don't have the money for these things, then don't worry about it go explore the city go do what i did as well where one day i went and just climbed up mount eden and just sat at the top and listened to michael jackson's uh, thriller album and just feeling the king of the world and uh, got the bus there got you know got the bus to there i remember doing you know got to the when i'm t- saying the bus i mean like from auckland city center to the bottom of mount eden because that is a little bit of a distance i don't know how far it is now because uh, i haven't done it in a while but yeah these little experiences they really stick in your mind and i'm trying to get that across because i want you to have these little things maybe that you want to experience yourself go go do these and uh another one here's the killer here's here's the best way to end the podcast and we'll come back to part two another day maybe next weekend we do part two of traveling because this is i didn't realize how much i (laughs) how much stuff i have to say on this matter oh god Oh, you poor listener. <laughs> um, so point being is that I went to Hobbiton, 19 years old, and I'd already achieved one of my dreams in my life to have visited Hobbiton, to have been to part of the Lord of the Rings set. And I was so lucky because I just finished watching the trilogy with my dad at, uh, of Ho- The Hobbit at the cinemas. So we'd done 2012, 2013, 2014, seen all of them at the cinema together. We'd had the best time and we'd seen all of them. And then Peter Jackson released the Hobbit documentary that showed all the behind the scenes. And I'd watched it and prepared for it before I'd gone to New Zealand. And I knew all the places that I wanted to see. And I remember getting to Hobbiton and being like, this was here, man, I'm here. And I took photos and the photos didn't really it didn't show what I was seeing. Endless fields. And I got to, re- I was reading The Lord of the Rings at the time, the, the, the Fellowship. And I only got, you know, I remember reading up to a quarter of the way through and then stopping. So take a pinch of salt when you listen to me because I didn't uh, read all of them, sadly. Still something I need to do. And I got to have a cider at the bit at the Green Dragon. I just, I get to say that, man. I got to have a cider made by the people there in the Green Dragon. I sat there by the fire, 
the and it, this was mid-April, so the fact that they had a fire there made me laugh. I, I, it was, and I just felt just one of those warm memories that just make me smile, and just yeah, man, you got to do it. I'm not going to say anything more than that. I think that the Hobbit, uh, sorry, Hobbiton, is just such a key, and that's not the only thing. I haven't even talked about um, the, some of the other things that I did uh, in in New Zealand. Like I went to another island where I did um, sort of zip lining across the island <laughs> from one part to another, going through the rainforest, learning about the rainforest there. And again, looking like a, a numpty and, and doing all these things. And I just remember doing this all within the space of a week. Uh, and, and then I had to do a, a 32 hour long flight from New Zealand back home to the UK and then going straight back into the work uh, after doing that. So it's pretty intense. So leaving it on that, leaving you guys with some, you know, the spark, what will cause the, the travel, the, the need to travel and, and the want to travel? And why is it so important? And why, you know, do we in the pandemic need it back so badly? And can you do it yourself? And can you do it on your own? And I say, yes, go for, go explore the world, go find it. And when we're back, when everything's normal and when in 2022, when you are able to, to go to Australia and go to New Zealand, do that. I'll expand upon a couple of the points I've made in this podcast uh, in the next, in part two of this. And I will go over, this may need to go into part three as well, because I want to talk about some of the other experiences, one of my most recent travels, uh, but I also haven't talked about Rome, haven't talked about uh, New York, uh, Toronto, Reykjavik in Iceland, um, haven't talked about, you know, what I was experiencing at the time. I did video blog these at the, those experiences, and I did the same with Australia and New Zealand, and uh, haven't looked back on them recently because they're so positive on my mind they're so fresh that i don't really need to they're there forever so ending on such a high note a smile on my face and i'm hoping that you the listener got something out of this i hope that you're thinking to yourself mm, maybe i might go to that smoothie place in, in new zealand and maybe maybe i need to go to scotland maybe i need to you know find you know find my own spark find my new thing that I'm going to go out and experience. And maybe I want to experience a new culture and try my best to, to not use my English and maybe try and use the language that that person's using. Thank you for listening as always. This has been a Tell Us Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week.